69%. News and weather, RTHK. Hello, this is Back Chat and I'm Andrew Work. And I'm Paul Zimmerman. On today's Back Chat, we're talking about the plan to refund money to ticket holders uh, of the Inter-Miami game earlier this month. The organizer of the event, Tatler Asia, announced last week that they'll refund half of the ticket price to those who made purchases through official channels. Fans and politicians in Hong Kong were angry that stars Leo Messi and Luis Suarez didn't play in Hong Kong. But they did play three days later in another friendly in Japan. Tatler Asia says they'll give details about refunds by the middle of next month. We're getting into the ins and outs of event management, risk and responsibility, and whether or not Hong Kong has the chops for global events. And after 9.45, we talk about a farm-to-table ice cream project launched by City University of Hong Kong. All right, and whether you like an ice cream mess or a messy, messy mess, we want to hear from you. Call us on 233-88266 to join the conversation. You can also WhatsApp us on 6899-8518. You can comment on our Facebook page, or you can email us. The address is backchat at rthk.hk. And before we kick off with football talk, I want to dive into the splash. Hong Kong's own Siobhan Hai made in Doha. Great. Yeah, yeah good news, well. eh? Gold mm. medal in the 200-meter freestyle at the World Aquatic Championships. And that, that is the big one. This is not like a side meet or a smaller. That's the I big know, one. no, she's doing well. I mean, it's, it's great to see her, and it's great to see the enthusiasm for her performances. She's only getting better, and that's apparently that's her first big victory in a, in a what we call a long, port, uh, long course pool, 50 meters. So, uh Looking good. Looking good. Also looking good right here in the studio is the uh, very handsome Joshua Chu. Uh, looks aside, he's also a locally qualified lawyer at Hazen LLP, and he's the head of legal at CITD. Good morning, Joshua. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Great to have you in the studio. We also welcome on the line Tim Bradbury, who's a former Hong Kong professional football player and a football consultant at TB Sports Asia. Tim, good morning. Good morning. Hi, Tim. Morning, Tim. Uh, Tim, I have to admit, when I saw TB Sports, I... For a second, I thought tuberculosis, and then I realized, oh, wait, Tim Bradbury, it's your name. Good stuff. Yeah, you're much better. <laughs> We're on top of it. We also welcome to the show uh, Marcel Fenez, who's the founder of media consultancy Fenez Media, and he's a media strategy advisor to private businesses and organizations. Uh, good morning from Marcel. Good morning, Tim. Great to have you on the show. Uh, Tim, you are the former uh, footballer, so we'll let you kick off. Um, from a football perspective, how defensible was Messi's decision, or was it the decision to not have Messi play? Um, well, obviously, this you know this this was a, a global tour for the club and their branding and marketing, and sort of obviously signing Messi with a view to growing the MLS and its uh, you know worldwide appeal. So, yeah, I think the impact not just obviously from the game, but the wider perspective of the, the sort of damage it's done to to that league and potentially to that team as well is, is immense. But you know, I think you come back to the basics of he was on the team sheet, hmm. the coach put him there, and therefore, you know, once that is done, you expect the guy to be on the pitch at some stage during the game. Did he, did he play uh, a, a, a day before or what, what, what was his whereabouts in the, uh, in the days before? I believe he was involved in the training. Um, but then, obviously, on the day of the game, which was when everybody turned up to watch and you know paid a huge amount of money for, um, as I said, he, he was, according to the organisers, according to obviously the press releases that have come out so far, um, you know he was listed on the squad, not as one of the starting eleven, but he was listed on the squad as a substitute. So therefore, 
you know, under the obligation, I suppose, from the club to the to Tatler, who was the, as the main sponsor, that uh, you know he, they'd made a commitment that he was going to play. No, but you so mean, com- not even to get on. But isn't Sorry? it the doctor that got to make a decision? And, and you know, you got to be fit and healthy. I mean, if he um, if he turns out to be not fit and healthy that morning, it's every right of the the coach and the the doctor to pull him off the team. I mean, uh, I, I don't understand the fuss. No, I, I agree with what you're saying, but the doctor didn't say anything. There was no there was no pre-game announcement. There was nothing like that at all. Um, mm. Again, according to everybody who was going to the game, according to the organizers, sponsors, everybody else, he was there to play. And that didn't happen. So I think what happened with this whole event is that the, you know, it was Hong Kong against Inter Miami. And it transformed into Hong Kong against Messi. Um, and that's where the big problem, you know, he, he's obviously just won the World Cup. He is a, a huge player, iconic player. But the whole event became the messy event. And, um, you know, he was there. He had, I think he had an obligation um, as part of the team. Um, I think at the end of the day, maybe somebody like an Adidas should have had a, had a word in his ear as well, because obviously they're paying him a huge amount of money on a you know, professional contract to represent the brand. Um, and obviously the, the harm that's been done to to their brand as well. And it's not just it's not just into Miami. It's not mm-hmm. just messy brand. It's, it's all these associated brands connected sure. with the club and, and with him. Mm-hmm. And, and on our side, Tatler and the, the, the Hong Kong brand, so to speak. Marcel Fenez, uh, you're a media consultancy guy. Um, how did this morph mm-hmm. from the inter you know, as, as uh, Tim said, it morphed from Hong Kong versus Inter Milan to Hong Kong versus Messi. Um, I run business events. I, of course, I promote my star speakers uh, who are going to keynote. But if something happens and they don't show up, uh, you can I mean, improvise. Yeah. I mean, of course, you, you want to sell the stars because they sell tickets. I mean, but w- was that a mistake or is that just like, uh, you know, that's the way you sell tickets and you, you take the risk? Look, I think this was a, I think this conversation is rapidly going to turn into one about risk. So this was a high-risk, high-reward event. High-risk in the sense that you were dealing with sort of intermite. You weren't dealing with a established, what I will call, footballing brand from the Premier League or from one of the big European leagues. You were dealing with uh, a relatively newcomer to the sport. Uh, or, and, and therefore, you were very dependent on the pulling power of an individual. So that makes it very high risk. If you were bringing in a team which had a range of established stars, the risk is actually less because if one happens to be injured, you know, there's plenty of others. So it was a high risk from that viewpoint. High reward because, let's face it, the ticket prices were pretty expensive. You know, if we look at the price of comparative tickets of, of the event the other day, uh, the veterans don't all, all this, uh, related to Chinese New Year, the ticket prices were much more modest. So this was a high risk, high reward event. Mm. The, I, I think what you would, you've mentioned various brands already. You've mentioned Inter Miami, you've mentioned Messi, uh, you know, Tata, Hong Kong government, and of course there's David Beckham. These are all brands that, that I, I, you know, ultimately have had a, a stake in this. And the impact on their brands is, is going to vary. In, in some respects, obviously for Inter Miami, who are really trying to create a following here in, in Asia, this was really pretty, uh, pretty poor because they just shot themselves in the foot. Uh, and I must admit, I, I kind of agree with Tim. You know, once you're on the team sheet and you, you actually get out there on the pitch and you walk to the substitute bench, 
I, in a game like this, you expect to see the guy on the pitch. So, so I don't have a great deal of sympathy for saying, well, he wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't fit and the doctor pulled him off. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't quite get that. The time, for the, the, time, the time for the doctor to pull him off was before they put together the list pre-match, is what you're saying. Which is yeah, what Tim exactly. was saying. I mean, Tim's the expert on that, but that would be the protocol that I would have expected. So what time is the list published? Is that published an hour before? Is it published the day before? I mean, you know, they'll, um, they'll probably wait as, as long as possible. Sorry, so they'll probably wait as long as possible. So, uh, you know, maybe an hour, two hours before the game. Mm. Um, but again, this is this is not a, a Premier League match as such. This is a sort of one-off exhibition game. So they'd have been given all the time they needed to, in order to, you know, confirm the starting lineup. They did that. And, and I think, as, as uh, Marcel was saying, this is this is a club that has little experience in this environment. So, um, so they don't know how to organize an exhibition game. They know how to participate in regular games, but exhibition games is not their, their forte. Uh, difficult. I mean, they're traveling to Asia. So Asia, mm. the expectation here is the expectation. The expectation here is messy. Hong Kong, China, right. Asia is all about the brand. And, you know, what I think happened, as I said earlier, I think Messi overtook the club because the club is not really a brand established in Asia. And then I think you had things like Adidas with the junk with the Messi picture on it. And that was all done by them. Mm. So, you know, this it just built and built and built. Yeah. And then obviously you had this huge disappointment when when he can't make it. But in all the marketing materials for the game. You know, it's it's you're not allowed to put one player on any picture. He's got to be at least, I think, it's either three or five players hmm. uh, must be on all marketing material. So wow. it was into Miami, but it became messy, messy, and, <laughs> and, 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 and messy, 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 messy to a lesser extent. Suarez. So, so emotions and disappointment are one thing, but the law is another. We've seen that they've uh, Tyler said they're going to give back 50% to people who bought their tickets through legitimate channels. So I, I mean, I guess if you got it through scalpers or whatever. Um, but are they required to do that? Joshua Chu. I mean, nobody reads the six point font on the back of the ticket or on the website. Would, no. Are there any, is there any legal responsibility for Tatler to put the money back or is this, this they're like, it's a PR play? No, I, uh, uh, for, for, from this uh, from this uh, particular case perspective, mm. I think a lot of people are mixing the difference between a legal contractual obligation versus that of a moral ethical obligation. Mm. Of course, uh, as Tetler's own statements have actually pointed out, Messi was only obligated to play unless medically unfit. Uh, so you can't really say um, in a situation where he's uh, sick, all right, you can't really force him to play because there mm. is that option and waiver on the contracts. Because, for example, if he wasn't just sick, he might have been in an accident the day before. Then uh, does that mean he's still uh, contractually required to limp his way onto the uh, onto the football field? That wouldn't really make sense. So, from a this is more like a PR uh, disaster than that of a legal uh, disaster. Because at the end of the day, uh, keeping in mind the people that are complaining the most are also ticket holders, and the ticket price, uh, whatever the amount may be, is not going to be anything that justifies legal action despite what is being called for. Yeah. Now, uh, in terms of the fact that just because he had played subsequently in another country, mm. uh, really shines the attitude of Hong Kongers. Uh, we had this uh, called Fishbowl Antique, where it's not about uh, when you're a fishbowl stall and you're giving one less fishbowl than the guy next to you. In Hong Kong, they rather see the guy next to you have one less than you being <laughs> given one extra. And uh, uh, playing the 
devil's advocate here, I actually f- f- felt for、uh, Messi because I had gout just two days ago, and I was、mm. able to walk perfectly fine the day after. These are what we call acts of God, and I can say when you are in pain, I curse a lot、uh, <laughs> more than usual. So、uh, I think、uh, from. Then again,、uh, a lot of things are. It's easy to criticize on hindsight.、Right. For example,、uh, if you were managing the sports league and you know Messi is not in tiptoe condition, as we have rightly pointed out, this is a new team that's on the paper. Do you really want Messi to go up in a very unfavorable conditions and think of the fallout that would have gone uh, uh, that would have resulted if he had played, failed? Uh, 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 epically,、yeah. and、uh, it would have been even more damaging to the brand. I mean, e- even if he went out、right. there and nobody passed the ball to him, people would still be crying foul.、Um, I want to remind people that they can call in at two three three eight eight two six six if they want to be part of the conversation. Tim, sorry, you- Joshua. I mean, I, I completely disagree with what you're saying here. It could not get any worse than than what actually happened. Getting him on the field to play, whether it be five ten minutes. And even getting him, as I think they tried to to do at the end of the game, you know, go up and win, go up and collect the trophy, go up and say a few words, say, you know, sorry to the fans, and do something,、um, was 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 that just disrespect? You can't say again gout or whatever. They have top medical people. They've had him training. They've rested him. He's prepared for the game. And the fact that he didn't come on for five minutes, which I think a would have helped Patler. Would have helped the sponsors. Would have been respectful to the fans who had come out and watched. But to sit there and not do anything, Even, and then walk off. Even if he came out like didn't touch the ball, just kind of jogged around a little bit, and everyone was told like, "Don't pass it to him. We don't want to mess up his, you know,、uh, take an injury." I mean, would, it, would that have been acceptable? Uh, I think. He, uh, but, I think people he, are going to just complain about it.、Later. Yeah. I still think people are going to complain. Like I said,、uh, you, you have made a very good point. It's a le-、yeah. it's not a legal issue.、Uh, there's no grounds to stand on in terms of litigation, but it's a PR issue.、Yeah. Uh, a lot of PR、uh, organizing could have been done a lot better. But then again, it's easy to criticize on hindsight. We just don't have all the information on hand. When, when you guys are organizing these events after the match, is there a Is, is, is there? I assume these things are somewhat scripted. Who's going to get up and talk? I mean, it's not like open mic night. I mean, could Lionel Messi just grab the microphone and be like, "Oh, really? Sorry, Hong Kong." I mean, is that? Yeah. Is that feeling? They're like, "Oh I mean, shit!" Add on. Yeah. Yeah. If I can just add on this, I mean, it is about all. It's about having、um, things in place, right? So, whenever you're doing an event, you should be identifying what the potential risks are of something going wrong, right? You don't just wait for something to go wrong and then react. So. A good brand will have in place a. They will have identified the risks, and obviously in this particular case, it would have been a star player not showing up, and then they would have had in place or should have had in place a series of steps that would be taken to either mitigate that risk. You know,、um, so using Tim's example, okay, the guy isn't going to show up on the pitch, but actually、mm. he's going to. Uh, you know, make a presentation or whatever, right? That would be a risk mitigation strategy,、right. because brands have to respect consumers.
But if you look, if you look at the brands here, but we had we had a confusing situation. You got lots of brands there involved. You got the Hong Kong brand, you got the Tetler brand, uh, you got the Team brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have a lot of different brands in there. So to me, it looks like this whole thing was uh, messed together pretty quickly uh, before they showed up here in in Hong well, Kong, isn't it? And then and then it was disorganized. Basically, the uh, there was no who was really in charge. Well, the risks, by the way, are different for each of those brands, right? Mm. So, so I would agree with you. What was, even if one brand had a risk mitigation strategy, it wasn't clear because there were five or six brands involved. And, and you know, maybe one of the learning points here is, is the fact that, you know, brands should collaborate more around, well, let's go through the what ifs, right? So it's looked to all of us, I think, as sort of outsiders that this has been, you know, kind of like reacting something that I wouldn't say could have been predicted, but certainly could have been identified as a risk. And then everyone sort of, you know, looks around looking at each other to see who's going to, you know, say something. And and it was really pretty amateur, I would have said, in terms of the way that risks were apparently identified and then mitigated, because everything we've seen in the last 10 days has been about kind of trying to repair damage. Well, I would argue that if you had, you know, some of these risks could have been identified and that therefore, you know, strategies could have been in place to try to help minimize the impact of those. Because at the moment, you know, the impact is, has been significant on most of these brands. Mm. Uh, was the event that badly organized? I mean, like you look at what happened in Paris recently where they had a big soccer match and all these people came from Britain and they weren't allowed in. The French were saying they were counterfeit tickets. Turned out they weren't. And, you know, there was a big brouhaha there. But, I mean, there wasn't a big problem with scalpers. There wasn't a problem with crowds in the wrong places, like causing a riot or a stampede or anything. Uh, the marketing was, you know, over the top. But, I mean, aside from Messi not playing, really, were there any other? I, th- I mean, I thought other than that, it came off pretty well, yeah? I tend to agree. Uh, actually, and it goes yes. back to one of the questions, you know, is can Hong Kong organize these types of events? Yes, they can. Yeah. Uh, all of those sort of infrastructure type things that you talked about there were done very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, to partially answer the question you haven't answered, asked yet is, is, yeah, of course, Hong Kong can organize mega events like this. Um, but I think it needs to have experienced organizers. It needs to have good communication between the brands that are involved. Uh, and, uh, you know, hopefully that can minimize any damage if something does go wrong. Mm. And I imagine there's a bit of a learning curve there as well. I mean, next time they have a big event, they're going to have contingency plans in case one of the big stars has to bow out. And then they'll go back to zero on the learning curve on the operations side when they go to the new stadium for events and start making mistakes all over again. I mean, it is it is inevitable to, you know, whenever you change it, they know how to run events at Hong Kong Stadium. Great. I mean, there, there is a learning curve Correct. here, yeah. Well, clearly there were contingency uh, built into the contract, but this is a classical issue of where you've got the legal FI saying, oh, he doesn't have to play if he's sick, and there's no uh, connection with PR when it comes to private companies, uh, which is where I have a lot more experience as an in-house counsel ass. Uh, you actually have to think one step further. And in this particular instance, I agree, there were huge gaps between setting expectations on the day and the day prior mm. that could have done a lot better but at the end of the day these are not contractual points these are or legal for that matter these are issues of pr and in hong kong we do have that gap 
with PR practices, we have seen a lot of PR disasters as of late, mm. uh, be it official or in private enterprises. So the circuit club had, had uh, we established that they, they were not that experienced in these these events. Uh, how about Tetler? I mean, um, I, I wasn't familiar with Tetler as an organizer of events. I wasn't familiar especially, with Tetler as a, sports events or sports events. Yeah, I'm familiar with them as a as a magazine okay. and fancy fancy events. So yeah. are, are they? Is this was this a, a first one for them? Yeah, I think so. Go ahead, Tim. Yeah, as I said, I think I think it was, and I think what they what they did around the event was, you know, Tatlerish. I mean, they had concerts, they had all sort of local superstars involved as well. So I think that from that point of view, what they did around the event, and, and I think the actual event day itself, you know, was was all was all very strong. Um, yeah, I go back to, to to ask Joshua another question, Joshua, if. In the in the the event that they the club are getting paid X amount of money in order for all of these superstars to play, if the superstars don't play, but you know they've been listed on the bench, they're supposed to play, they're supposed to turn up. Is there no liability there? Well, contractually speaking, again, as Tetler has already pointed out in their statement, there were exit waiver clause as con legal mm. contingency for them not to play. These are never guaranteed when you're organizing events. For example, there are simply lots of things beyond people's control. Uh, a star can get into a traffic accident on their way to the venue. Are you going to carry a dead body but, up to the field? That, that sounds absurd, isn't it? Mm. Uh, so con legally speaking, it yeah. couldn't happen. But like I said, uh, this is a PR issue. Uh, expectations could have been set. Uh, they could have announced that he was not feeling well ahead of the event, that, but he will try to play if he feels better. That's why he might have been uh, listed on the bench. We simply don't have all the information, and it's easy to jump to conclusion and be critical. But at the end of the day, is this where Hong Kong wants to head as well? We want to be a hub for future sporting events. And while there's a good learning curve to be learned from this, we can see a lot of this all Organize our parties coming in to be very critical and start thinking of a solution as a way forward. And again, uh, not to be critical of Tetler, they are simply adopting the most traditional way of uh, appeasing an angry crowd, of sprinkling money on the problem. Uh, there, there must be some out-of-the-box solutions that uh, a, a more expert PR companies could think of in order to manage the entire situation. So Marcel, did, did Hong Kong mismanage it? In terms of communication, well, there should be a public consultation for events, uh, and government funding was involved. Then the question falls back on, which the government has very nicely stated at the back as: How did they come to the decision of selecting all these organizers to be? on this particular event uh, because certainly experience and all these issues should have been spotted well ahead of time. Sure, but when things then go haywire as it did, uh, the, 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 the hero didn't step onto the field, uh, it, it, as far as I can see, it was poorly managed. I mean, government kind of getting angry and, and expressing themselves angrily about everything. That's it. That seems to be a poor way of managing a situation. Absolutely, and, absolutely. But uh, Marcel? It's yeah, Marcel. Sorry. Yeah, look, I think I think it comes back to, to something I mentioned in the beginning. You know, if the brands get together, or the, the let's call them the parties that are involved, get together at the beginning and say, okay, let's go through, right, we're going to make this a great success and we're going to do X, Y, and Z. But let's just, you know, let's just recognize what are the risks. Now, from a Hong Kong government viewpoint, 
obviously the mega event fund you know was one of the sponsors well you know, the mega event fund should when it obviously when it looks at the events that it's going to get involved with will assess the risks the strength of the organizer etc etc now was this a high risk event for them to be associated with well i'll leave that as a question you then look at it from a tackler's viewpoint tackler you are a phenomenal brand in when it comes to as you say whether it's a magazine organizing a fashion show a celebrity party but the risks involved in that are very very different from the risks that were involved in 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 this event right this event had certain unique risks really a unknown football team really if i'm going to be blunt that was dependent on one or two celebrities and really one so the the risks were high now if at the very beginning all of those risks had been acknowledged and then said well look in the event that your star doesn't pitch up what are we going to do are we going to ask the star to do something extra are we going to get Beckham involved you know how are we going to respond and that was the bit that was missing so the learning point i mean hong kong certainly can organize big sporting events mm. uh you know events uh so i don't think that's the issue mm. i think it is how you identify Collaborate Uh, having a quick look at the weather, becoming cloudy with some sunny intervals today. Max temperature 22 degrees. The weekend, a little windier, a little cooler before temperature picks up mid to next week and getting humid and foggy. So that's your look ahead. Right now, uh, here at RTHK Radio 3, it's 21 degrees Celsius, 71% humidity. And now the news with Martin Holmes. The police are distributing 20,000 copies of a new children's picture book to about 1,000 kindergartens to educate children about fraud prevention. The anti-scam book was designed and illustrated in collaboration with the Education University's Early Childhood Education Department. A New York judge has rejected, has rejected Donald Trump's appeal to dismiss charges against him over allegations of falsifying business records and fixed a date for his trial to begin. The case, which will be the first ever criminal trial against a former U.S. president, is linked to payments made to the porn star Stormy Daniels, who claims to have had an affair with Mr. Trump. And the White House National Security Spokesman has confirmed that classified reports of a national security threat in the U.S. pertain to Russia's anti-satellite capability. John Kirby said it was not active but described the development as troubling. He said it posed no threat to humans. The news from RTHK. Night marks the end of one day and the start of another. Being alone could be lonely or a state of being at ease. Challenges are inevitable in life. Do they lead to pressure or motivation? Things can be seen from different angles. Talk with your family, friends or professionals, or call the Social Welfare Department's hotline on 2343-2255. Consider different perspectives. Take a positive view. All domestic gas appliances imported for use in Hong Kong since 2003 must be approved by the Electrical and Mechanical Services Department and bear a GU mark. 
Aged appliances without a GU mark have exceeded their life expectancy and should be replaced with ones bearing a GU mark. Users should also arrange regular safety inspections for domestic gas installations every 18 months. Please visit the EMSD's website for details. And we're back on Backchat. I'm Andrew Work, uh, hosting today with Paul Zimmerman. Mm. And, yeah. Mm. Now for the messy, messy mess. Now for the messy, messy mess. Continues. Uh, we've got with us Joshua Chu, who's a lawyer with uh, Housing LLP and head of legal at CITD. Tim Bradbury, founder of TB Sports Asia and a former uh, Hong Kong professional football player. And Marcel Fenez, the founder of media consultancy Fenez Media. Uh, and we're talking about the... Ticket refunds and the whole messy, messy mess, as Paul correctly identified. Quick email from TC, who says the biggest issue in this fiasco was that Tatler charged such absurd prices for an exhibition game. Uh, I'll insert there, TC. People paid. Uh, while at the TC continues, while at the same time apply for a government grant of $16 million to host this event. Okay, okay. fair, fair, yeah. TC. Uh, in comparison... But that's being withdrawn. The grant is being withdrawn. They, have, they, they only have left the uh, the revenue from the ticket, isn't it? Yes, and they're going to give up half of that. Let's see. Supposedly give them a $43 million loss, I think, on the whole project, which is not ideal. Sorry, TC continues. In comparison, tickets for Inter-Miami's game in Tokyo was as low as Hong Kong, $500. Ooh. That's if, a third. Yeah. If, quote, major events are to be something the entire community can enjoy, then the government should make this grant subject to having some tickets affordable to low-income people, to low-income people, or even free. Mm. This is what government oversight should be. There's an original idea from TC. TC finalizes, closes out by saying, I understand that Tatler is in this to make a profit, but, the, but charging those ticket prices while applying for government grants could be considered profiteering. There you go. So if people have other views, uh, call us on 2338-8266 or WhatsApp 6899-8518 or uh, go to our Facebook page or uh, email us at backchat at rthk.hk. And I think we have another... uh, Somebody called in online. Somebody did get the phone number and made good use of it. Alexandra, uh, welcome to the show. What's the question or comment that you have for our guests today? Uh, Good morning, Andrew, and good morning, Paul. Those are the two guys that I really like to hear on our (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm a lucky lady. Well, anyway, the point is the following. Uh, I am an ex-corporate person, so my view is very much customer-focused. And I believe, although so interesting the conversation was the past half hour, um, I do believe that maybe we are missing one point, and it's the focus on consumer. You know, consumer will not go all the possible way to think about Tatler. Do they know even who is the organizer? You know, Mm. Um, they will think, I have promised, I've been promised something and I want to have that something. Yep. So, you know, for me, um, the focus is customer. So we need to speak the language that customer understand. And what they understand is that they didn't get it, what they wanted and what they pay for. Hmm. Now, I don't want to decrease the importance of Miami because it's also a very good team. But say Messi, of course, um, in their mind is the star. And I've been talking around about this because I'm Italian by birth, so obviously I'm interested in football, although I'm 70 years old, but I'm still not taking the walk in the park. So, bottom line, I think consumer, what they really want is a gesture. And we didn't get this gesture. Mm. You know, we, um, we can understand many things. We are, we are uh, you know, we have uh, the ability to... Um, uh, to understand live an incident that can occur. But mm. on the other hand, I do believe strongly that in spite of eventually pain or 
challenges or legal constraints or to be covered by a contract, Messi should have appeared. Mm. And as a customer, whoever I talked to, they told me that fine. He cannot, he cannot maybe play or appear on the field playing, but at least he should address the crowd. Mm. He yeah. was not lacking a voice. Yep. So <laughs> he didn't have strep throat. True. So poor event, poor event management uh, there. Uh, and and let's see whether Messi can come back. Uh, uh, something for government to, this, to, to work on to this to this part yes, of the world. Yes. Yeah. I I agree, but I think in my, in my view this is the most important point. Thank you and, very much. Uh, and I would like to broaden this a little bit further if I can, and I'll keep it short. Mm. I would like also, and I understand that the government is doing all what it can. Mm. Uh, but maybe we have to do more and we have to look at different directions. Uh, as a business consultant, I have a tendency to look at the big picture as well. Mm. And, and your I suggestion? <laughs> Give us one suggestion. I'm going to tell them on the radio. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're, not, you're not giving it away for all free. All right. All right. Well, That's thanks fine. very much for calling in, Alexandra. Uh, we'll have another caller online, I believe. We do have another caller online. Thank you very much, uh, Tanya. Grazi, Grazi. I think we've got the, we'll have the next caller ready, and then we'll get some comments from our guests on their, their thoughts. Uh, uh, we've got Tony. Tony, welcome to the show. Hey, hi, everyone. Hi, Tony. Can you hear me? Yep. You got a question for us, Tony? Uh, not really. I, I just want to uh, share something that um, um, I, um, I was looking at the, at the internet and actually we have a long list of um, overseas teams, foreign teams, national teams coming to Hong Kong to uh, play games. And there are um, successful occasions, there are unsuccessful um, occasions. So, so actually, um, we, uh, so actually we, we actually have a lot of experience of um, Organizing these games, so this time I was a bit surprised that it um, it it all goes uh, came, haywire. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it came out as an unsuccessful mm. uh, occasion. Especially uh, a lot of people tend to forget. Like uh, actually, um, two days before uh, the game, um, when we in the Miami arrived at the airport, I'm not sure whether uh, anyone remembers. Um, so, so the airport authority organized a uh, welcome ceremony, and then um, and then Messi and the team just just leave the scene after a few um, photos. So I, I think, uh, and, and it left uh, the, F, uh, the airport authority and the uh, MC uh, quite embarrassed. Right. So I think at, at that point, people should have sent... There was a big warning that, that things were badly organized <clears throat> and they didn't solve yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And, and they had two suppose, days to fix it. With, yeah, yeah, they, they have two days to fix it and they should have sensed that maybe Messi or some, someone don't really want to come or, or they're not, not that interested in, in uh, engaging officials and engaging Hong Kongers in general. Yeah. So, so yes, yeah, there's, a, there's a long period of time for, for them to, uh, to spot the problem and, 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 and they the didn't. point out the contingency plans. Thanks yeah. a so lot, Tony. Still, That's yeah. a really good point. Uh, Tim Bradbury and Marcel, uh, uh, your comments on this. Um, uh, Tim? Tim, you again? From my understanding. From, sorry, from my understanding as well, I believe that there were a number of events post post the game, which were also cancelled as well. Mm. So, you know, uh, again, we've got the I think the, the power of of uh, you know one one guy, and I think from what I heard at the airport, it was they took the photos and then uh, they just walked off. 
they walked off. They looked like they were poorly briefed. I have to admit, I work as a professional MC, and as I am frequently shushed by people, and I remind them, I am professionally loud. <laughs> and I have to admit, with with a number of people on that team that don't speak English, and and I have the MC, you know, the film has gone around. She had a very tiny, squeaky little voice. I mean, especially you're going to speak Carmack, up if something happens. The wind's blowing. You put an MC out there who's like, no, you do not leave. You stand there. <laughs> Get back here. Take your pictures. By okay, so it was God. poorly so poorly briefed. Uh, but Tim, finish up on your comment there. Well, I think as as your guest earlier said uh, you know hong kong has a as a, a huge tradition of uh very very positive very well organized well attended well well promoted sports events from the carlsberg cup dynasty cup we've had mm. premier league cup here as well so i you know unfortunately this was a, blip, a a big bump in the road but i think it's easy to get past it and i think we should and and move on to the next one uh, i feel sorry for tatler in the fact that they they're the ones that have just been basically lumped with everything um, but I think there is a, a bigger picture, again, as, as your guest said, there is a bigger picture here for Hong Kong and football. And we have a, we have a neighbor across the, across the border that, uh, that we need to be a little bit closer to. And sport is, is a great way of, of, of bringing to... Sure, events are good. Two people together. Yeah. Uh, just to follow on from what Tim was saying there, I mean, number one is your call is that Hong Kong does these things very well, by and large. That's fact one. So what was different this time? What was different this time, I would argue, is that potentially you had a, a relatively new brand, a new team, who didn't, if I'm being honest, just didn't show the consumer respect, right? So whether it was at the airport or whether it was, you know, in other uh, occasions, the, Inter Miami didn't kind of show up in the way that you would normally expect the Chelsea or Arsenal or Liverpool, they know how to do this. They know how to do pre-season tours. They know how to just smooth with the consumer. And and I think that was what was missing this time. And, and you know, to be honest with you, uh, if I look at Messi as a, as, a, as a brand and I look at the maturity of his brand compared with, say, David Beckham, I mean, David Beckham has a mature brand and he's always been very conscious of the fact but it was more about it wasn't just what he did on the pitch. It was mm -hmm. what he did off the pitch. Yeah. And that's why David Beckham has endured as a brand long after he took to football. And I think that, quite frankly, there is, you know, Lionel Messi, who I wish I could meet one day, um, but I think probably needs to think a little bit more about the people who buy his shirts, who buy the tickets, uh, because, you know what, if you want to have a, a, a career that goes beyond when you stop kicking a football... You got to develop your brand, and you got to nurture consumers. I mean, if he's gone to if he's gone to Miami, he's already in a semi-retirement phase. <laughs> Otherwise, he'd be playing for one of the top European teams. You know, it's about ca cashing in towards the end of the career. Day, dare I say? But I mean, for for Tatler, I mean, the, probably the worst thing for Tatler. Number one is the huge loss they're going to take on this now. Number two. I mean, twenty. Let's say, let's say, fifteen to fifty-year-old male football fans from all income levels across Hong Kong. Is that Tatler's audience? No. The Tatler core audience got what they wanted when they did the hundred and fifty thousand dollar a person tickets on Saturday for a private meet and greet with the players, including Messi. They got their Instagram photos for hundred and fifty grand a pop. That's Tatler's core audience. I think I mentioned this before, that, that really the risks involved in this type of event are very different from that fashion show or celebrity party. Mm. So this was a new departure for Tatler. I can totally understand why they did it, because strategically they're an event, they have the skill set. But I would just say that it's a completely different gig 
Okay, well, then the focus is on government. How, how did they pick Tadler as an organizer? Why did they take an inexperienced uh, soccer organizer? I don't, I don't think it was the government's idea. Well, uh, as uh, one of the, uh, the people that actually wrote in the email have rightly pointed out there were government grants. And anyone that have any company that have dealt with government grants would know that government grants, while it lump sum looks like a lot of, uh, lot of money, is in reality more like IV drip never enough mm. to actually cover all the costs. That's why it's not, the tickets are not obviously yeah. free to the public, uh, general public in question. Yeah. Now, uh, when you have all these mixture of situation in place, it really creates a perfect storm, doesn't it? Uh, so, uh, like, uh, I, of course, we don't have all the information that we need to a assess what has happened. Mm. Uh, that that will come later. But uh, there must there there ought to be a lot better way of handling the situation in general. Yeah, I mean, these, these... one thing I would sure go ahead. Uh, yeah, one thing I would add is that obviously we've now seen social media, you know, attacking, uh, you know, Tatler or attacking uh, Messi. I think we haven't talked any at all about social media and how the actual reaction can really go way, way too far. Right? It was a problem. I have said it's a problem. We've all said it's a problem. But we then get, you know, uh, we then get social media that obviously amplifies, uh, amplifies the whole problem. And that is something that we're dealing with more and more. So, you know, it's, it's, we also need to look at how brands manage social media, how they can get ahead of the curve with social media, because that's where a lot of this noise has come from. Yes, it was disappointing that Messi didn't play. Uh, yes, it was unfortunate. You know, from a tactical viewpoint, uh, you know, they did their best. They, there were some things that worked very well. There were some things that they got caught on. But, you know, that happened. Um, but we live in a world where everything gets amplified very, amplified very quickly. And, and that's something that, that, that's where I would come back to. The more you, the more you can anticipate things going wrong, the more well-placed you are to deal with them. Yeah, but you, you're probably uh, not quick on your foot when you've got so many different parties involved uh, to to be able to respond to social media time, which uh, is nanoseconds. And, and, learn, and learning. I've got one last question before to, to wrap this up, but uh, it seems like the lawyers did their jobs here. But, I mean, the lawyers do their jobs. The contracts are written, they're signed, and they're like, my work is done here, bye-bye. The PR people don't actually go through what the lawyers have wrought and said, oh, I noticed the lawyers built in protection for this and a waiver for that. What if it actually happened? Oh. And let's have contingency plans. Yeah. I, I think there's a, is there, am I correct in saying there's a disconnect there? Are like, the lawyers involved? I would, I would actually say that the lawyers did not do their job because as a mm. full comprehensive lawyer, you ought to actually go beyond the advice of just the stating what your job is not just to read English or, or Chinese to the, your mm. clients. Uh, and that's the problem with a lot of lawyers in Hong Kong. They don't really go beyond uh, just telling them what the law is. Now, on the flip side, what is less discussed is this, there's a, as you have rightly mentioned, there's a huge overblown of reaction. Uh, and people in Hong Kong tend to think Hong Kong is a prize. But the thing is, if you don't manage or put a, 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 a cap on this issue, will it scare future 
future athletes away from Hong Kong, actually. And, and, and that is a huge problem. And organizers. And yeah. it might actually even become more expensive for them to actually come to Hong Kong because they have to think of all these risk mitigation. You, you have to say, yeah. oh, uh, it, there are potential dangers. So actually, well, uh, w- what we have seen here is a lot of people are unwilling to take the, uh, take the blame or own the issue or mm-hmm. take heat for it. Yep. The government came out very c- quickly to criticize the situation itself. It's like put, pouring gasoline on fire, really. Yeah. Instead of really uh, addressing the real objective of the, uh, we have spoken the objective of Tatler, but what's the objective of the government? It is to make Hong Kong a friendly location for future sporting events. Yeah. What does this really tell the whole wider sporting community beyond Hong Kong? Don't. It's easy to focus out on ourselves, but what we really did not think of is the other side. We yeah. haven't really thought of or from Messi's perspective or his uh, or, or his uh, uh, colleagues. Yeah, right. I mean that that will have that's to be a good the final one. That's a good on point this. to end on today, isn't it? Uh, don't gaslight these situations. Resolve them. Uh, mediate. Yes, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure that they'll be prepared for the next uh, better prepared for the next PR disaster just in time to start having operations. Or to become too bureaucratic <laughs> about it, and nothing can happen. You know, you know that's the risk too. Exactly, and and like you said, uh, Joshua, events could get more expensive, especially if you got to buy a plane ticket to Singapore to go see them. <laughs> so hopefully, well, the, 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 hopefully the we'll come back, guys. And we're we gonna, don't want to become gonna, the North Korea of future sporting events either, where enough. no one nope. is willing to fly in. Nobody wants that for sure. Thank you very much to our guest today, Joshua Tu, in the studio, local qualified lawyer at Housen LLP, and he's the head of legal at CITD. Uh, Tim Bradbury, the uh, founder of TV Sports Asia, was on the show today, along with Marcel Fenez, the founder of media consultancy Fenez Media. Thank you very much. Thank you all. Yeah. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. All right, I'm Andrew Work here with uh, Paul Zimmerman. And like the woman says, call us at 233-88266, especially if you want to get into in on our next topic, which is all about ice cream. Ice cream. Ice cream for ice cream. Uh, University-generated Ice cream. Coming to tell us all about it today is Professor Vanessa Bars, who is the dean of the Jockey Club College of Veterinary Medicine and Life Sciences, City University of Hong Kong. Uh, Welcome to the show, Vanessa. Good morning. morning. Uh, You know, I went to to a university in Montreal. I went to McGill University, and they have a separate campus called McDonald Campus where they also have their own cows. It's it's an agricultural... uh, and, and biotech research center. It's part of McGill. But I did not know that City U has cows. You have so many cows that you're producing your own brand of ice cream. What is going on? <laughs> well, actually, we have a very small herd of only 25 cows. All right. Um, well. So I wouldn't say we have a lot of cows, but we do have cows and we do produce milk and ice cream. Where are the cows? Uh, the cows oh. are in the New Territories in our farm. Okay. Very good. And... Again, you have enough, and so you're prompting city, you, milk. This isn't like some experiment where you're going to be putting drugs in the milk and see how people react, <laughs> students freak out. or This isn't like CIA mind control milk, is it? I mean, what, why, why, is it, why is it imperative for you to make this a commercial product? Okay, yeah. No, that's a really great question. And, in fact, you know, two things really prompted us to do this. So the first thing is that, similar to what you said with McGill University, um, our strategic partner of our Bachelor of Veterinary Medicine program, Cornell University, They've been doing a similar thing at their teaching dairy farm for many years. And, uh, you know, when people go to their campus, tasting the milk and ice cream is a real highlight for any visitors to their campus. But uh, I guess more importantly is that we didn't want to waste 
any of the milk that's produced at our farm. It's a byproduct of teaching. Mm. The farm is really an essential component of our Bachelor of Veterinary Medicine course, and it really gives our students the opportunities to learn about how uh, how to handle cows, how they behave, um, how to look after their nutrition and health care. And um, our students are really taught about this farm-to-table concept, following the milk from primary production right through to pasteurization and then processing and consumption. Okay, so it's veterinary medicine that is uh, what, you, what you guys are teaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because I was a bit surprised you're actually ma- managing 25 cows <laughs> and uh, you're operating like a little farm in Hong Kong yeah. where our farmland is being taken up uh, more and more by, uh, by various development projects. Yeah. Um, uh, and so what's the future of farming uh, is, uh, and the future of veterinary in medicine uh, studies? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, um, we are Hong Kong's only veterinary school um, and uh, it's important that all of our graduates are able to be omnicompetent. And what that means is they need to have uh, experience to be able to treat all the major veterinary species. So not just dogs and cats, but also cattle and sheep and goats and horses. And, uh, you know, in China, in on the mainland, 40% of the world's milk production is happening right there. So we believe it's really important that our graduates uh, have the skills that they need to be able to provide um, advice to farmers and to manage the nutrition and, and veterinary health care of, of cows. Mm, as, as a kid in Holland, I've actually worked on a farm and uh, I had to f- to milk the cow and I had to learn how to <laughs> get milk out of okay. the cows. So uh-huh. is that what you're, you're teaching the kids to make sure that they, yeah, uh, they yeah, get on, ab- get their hands dirty? Yeah, clean absolutely. In that sense. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an important part of uh, being a veterinarian is learning to get your hands dirty, learning to uh, really understand the industry from the farmer's perspective. That's that's a key part of what our students learn when they're at uh, CityU Farm. So they go up to the farm and actually touch the cow, go and, and, and milk the cows. Is that yeah, they do? they do. Yeah, we have a we do, we obviously have a you know an automated system where they place the suction cups on the mm-hmm. uh, on the teats of the cows. But yeah, they participate in that milking twice a day. You, you've only got twenty five cows though, and you're committing some of them to making milk, making yeah. ice cream for sale on campus. Um, just as you know, I did an undergraduate degree in yeah. the sciences. My daughter's working in a lab right now. Right. Um, you don't, when you're doing research, you don't work with healthy animals. You, you breed fruit flies and mice. You knock out genes and see how things go haywire. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're producing for milk to make ice cream, presumably you're going to want healthy cows. I don't want one with random genetic mutations that you've introduced our, at the embryo yeah, stage. Our, absolutely. And our cows are, are healthy. And I think, you know, an imp- important part of being a veterinarian is uh, learning how to safeguard health. It's not just about treating diseased animals. It's knowing how to safeguard health and how to optimize health and welfare. And that's what our students do at the farm. How, how can I get the ice cream? I'm, I'm, I, I'm thirsty and hungry for uh, fresh ice cream now. Okay. So uh, we have 25 cows, and each cow produces between 20 and 30 litres of milk a day. So wow. On a good day, we have about 475 litres of milk. And unfortunately, that's not going to service Hong Kong. So it's really a, uh, it's a delicious, tasty byproduct of teaching that is just available for visitors to our campus. But on the flip side, we do quite a number of charity events. Uh, we've donated milk uh, to the Lam Chun Wishing Well Bazaar. We've sponsored the... 
Bank of China Rogan Charity Race 2024. Last year, we distributed milk to primary schools in Sham Shui Po. We visited the students and we talked to them about where milk comes from and about studying uh, a career to be veterinarians. So uh, we do, we will, you know, continue to do these sorts of charity donations at various events. And this going forward will now include ice cream. Okay, you're, you're not hooking up with five star restaurants so they can brag about their <laughs> lo- locally locally produced. Uh, is, is it would it be considered organic? Could are you, are you classified organic for this? Uh uh, it's not organic, no. We wouldn't okay. consider it organic. That comes with certain certifications, which we, we don't. It does. I used, I used to work in that sector a long right. time ago. Well, right. I ran, yeah, I ran events for that sector. So, um, so you've got Jersey cows out yes. at the farm. Why yes. Jersey cows? Yep, that's a, that's a great question. Well, you know, surprisingly, Jersey cows are heat tolerant. And that is a surprise given that they originated from the colder climes of the United Kingdom. Um, but actually, they, yeah, they're, they're heat tolerant and they're well adapted to conditions here in Hong Kong. Uh, and also, they actually, you know, on, on, we didn't choose them for this reason, but they actually produce really creamy, uh, beautiful milk that makes fantastic ice cream. So, so how does this work? Your, uh, your students actually get to work and, on cows and, uh, uh, in, in, in the mainland? Uh, oh, no. So our students, um, they do their uh, what's called extramural studies mm-hmm. here at our dairy farm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if they choose to, they can do extramural placements on the mainland or they may choose after they graduate to work in the mainland. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, the, at the university, what is the balance between veterinarian work where you're trying to keep the cows healthy, mm-hmm. make them you know, heal the sick. I mean, getting that comes up. I mean, as a student, I might go my four years and maybe you don't have that many sick cows. You'd feel like you were kind of missing out uh-huh. a little bit. I guess there are other cows to look at in Hong Kong. Yeah. Um, how much, what is your balance between veterinarian, keeping cows healthy, treating sickness versus uh, life sciences research, uh, where again, you might be playing with the genes or something to produce a higher yield from cows or just even do just basic research. Yeah, okay. Look, that's a really great question. And, and one thing that I always say to our students is that being a veterinarian is about two things. The first thing is about being a healthcare professional. The second thing is that veterinarians are scientists. Now, when students graduate as veterinarians, they are trained professionals to, uh, you know, really look after health and welfare of all of the different animals that I mentioned. Um, but some students will go on to do PhDs and to really exploit that research side of things. Um, so it's, it's, it's important for our students to have training in both of those areas. Are there enough jobs for um, students to come out of your course in yes, Hong Kong? Absolutely. So we just graduated our first cohort. Um, as I mentioned, we're the first and only veterinary program in Hong Kong. And last year we got dual international accreditation from the Australasian Veterinary Boards Council and also from the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons, which means that our students can work in Hong Kong, they can work in Australia, they can work in the UK. Um, we had 11 uh, graduates in the first cohort and all of them are employed here in Hong Kong. Oh, you, you got to get that Canadian certification on the list because they, 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 they can go to... <laughs> yeah, my... we'll, we'll work on that next. You're biased. <laughs> I am completely... I'm very... I'm super, super biased. But, but I'd like to... Can you make a call? If anybody's interested in, in tasting your ice cream, um, can they come to the City University? Is there, a, is there a shop? Is there a particular location where I can actually go and, and buy an ice cream? Um, yeah, look, if people are visiting the campus, uh, we do have a milk counter, um, which is... Uh, 
currently in the Yao building um, and will be, soon be moving to the Yung building. So, you know, people, if they're on campus, they can buy milk and ice cream. And we've got we've got six main flavours. We've got milk, black sesame, hojicha, yuzu and mm. chocolate. Hojicha, hojicha, hojicha? What is that? <laughs> hojicha. It's Japanese. Uh, okay. What is it? Yeah. It's uh, like a tea kind of flavor. Okay. Oh, I think I have seen that. It's very popular yeah. now. So does it ground... It's very popular the, here, yeah. This is at the ground floor of which building? Uh, no, so at the moment, it's in the uh, Lao Ming Yao building uh-huh. on the third floor. Uh, Lao Ming Yao. And the next building is... The, the Yung building on the fourth floor. On the fourth floor. All right. Yeah. It's a bit yeah. of a, a hunt to go and find it, but it's, it's <laughs> worth Probably it. worth it. There it's we fantastic. Go. Thank you so much, Professor Vanessa Barr, is Dean at the Jockey Club College of Veterinary Medicine and Life Sciences at City University of Hong Kong for joining us today. Thanks, Paul Zimmerman, for rocking it out. Also, uh, merci, Raphael Blet, our producer and audio engineer today is Chang Wing Ming. Come back on Monday for Jenny Lamb and Mike Rouse right here on Back Chat. See you all.